When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, folks. Charlie Bazzina here. Join me for my Hunting for Killer show on March 2 at Roomba's Function Centre in Gisborne, just 40 minutes north of Melbourne. I'll be taking you on a unique and fascinating journey, outlining my investigations from discovery of a body to some surprising conclusions. This presentation is not to be missed. Tickets available at trybooking.com and the ticket price includes a pasta meal and a complimentary glass of wine. Limited seats are available. Hope to see you there. Thanks for listening and being part of my podcast. I hope 2024 is kind to you. In my 27 years as a Victorian policewoman, I investigated everything from a stolen bicycle to a stolen life. Policing taught me a lot about human nature, which I explore in my podcasts with a mixture of interesting and thought-provoking guests discussing the human side and impact of crime on all those involved, including the investigators. And I'd love for you to give me a review if you can. They're just a great help to me. I give my guests the opportunity to tell their story in their own words and how they remember an incident. It may not be how others remember it, which I ask you to please keep in mind. My podcasts are not suitable for children and some adults for that matter. If you find yourself affected by my subject matter, contact Lifeline or any other support service or person you feel comfortable with. Thank you. If there's anything I can say that might help others in any way, you know, I'll, I'll say it because hopefully good can come out of it. You know, one of the best things about doing my podcast is discovering people who've never thought of sharing their story because, one, they didn't think anyone would be interested. Two, they thought there were others who were doing it tougher than them. Or three, they'd never had the opportunity to tell their story or they didn't think they had the courage to tell their story. Today's guest, Michael, which isn't his real name, is that person. Michael sent me a brief message after having read an article about me somewhere and part of his message read, quote, I want to express my thanks for your work. I can only guess about how hard it was. I write this as an older survivor of childhood abuse confidentially, unquote. Funny how that last word's just been thrown out the window and cast aside by me, confidential. Uh, You can trust me, Michael. Uh, Your secret's safe with me. Uh, I responded and said that 
if ever he felt like talking about it, that I've found many of my guests who've never told their story before, they find it quite cathartic and their stories often help others in the comfort of knowing that they're not alone. And look, I suppose I can be pretty persuasive and he finally relented. Michael has such a great attitude considering his father was jailed for offences committed upon him and his siblings, one of which ended their life as a teenager, with Michael never knowing and never wanting to know if they too had been abused by their father. It's no surprise that this abuse had a devastating effect on Michael and his family, with relationships fractured and ruined forever. And Michael said to me in one phone conversation that he was thankfully put his father in jail because, quote, it gave him another 10 years of life, unquote, which he wouldn't have had, had he not been incarcerated. And if you don't mind me saying, I just think that's so forgiving I don't think there'd be too many others out there as forgiving. So with that introduction, Michael, how are you feeling? <laughs> yeah, I'm hiding well. Yeah, no, I'm feeling fine. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's good. It's, um, it's an Im- important story uh, to tell. But as I said before, I don't think you would ever have thought um, that you'd be doing this, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, no, I so, well, appreciate the opportunity and, you know, I'm, I'm hoping by sharing that it, it, it will um, will help others as well. And, uh, you know, I, I don't see it as my problem. I see it as my father's problem. Um, so, you know, mm. talking about it, I think, um, hopefully will help people. Uh, I know it will help people, Michael, because, well, when we look back, it helped you a bit, didn't it? Because you read something and it um, encouraged you to reach out, whether it to be to me or somebody else, but it sparked something. And I think that's uh, the, um, I don't know, maybe the power of a podcast, the power of talking about it, that it is a connection that um, you can share with others. And I think it's very courageous of you. Yeah. Okay. Um, thank you. Uh, so, I suppose let's go straight into it. Um, in your own words, can you tell us in as much or in, or little detail as you like about your life as a child and where it all started to go pear-shaped? Yeah, um, I was the oldest of four children uh, with two sisters and my brother, who was the youngest sibling. We moved from Melbourne to Sydney when I was about 12 years old. I'm in my 50s now. Um, but we, yeah, we moved from Melbourne to Sydney when I was about 12. And my father sexually abused me on one of those trips and continued to until I was about 16 years old. I'd also seen him in bed with my sisters uh, under blankets when my mother was out, and my mother was out on a weekly basis. My sisters and I talked about around 30 years later, and then we went to the police with my father then going to jail after two years of investigation and a court process. I don't know if he sexually abused my brother, who committed suicide when he was 15 years old on Mother's Day after she required him to live with my father. I fear my father sexually abused other children and wish we'd gone to the police sooner. I believe he would have sexually assaulted my brother, but I never really wanted to know as, um, you know, I I, I was, um, uh, yeah, I just didn't want to know out of fear of what I might do next, you know. Um, To yourself? To yourself, Michael, or to your father? Okay. Um, 
my father passed away uh, in 2022. Um, my sisters and I have had many psychological issues as adults. It's hard to know if the issues relate to our father's sexual abuse or his neglect. You know, when he wasn't sexually abusing us, he was um, uh, totally neglectful. Um, or whether it actually related to some issues related to my mother's emotional abuse. You know, I guess... Um, you know, having one parent who's uh, got significant issues, it's probably no surprise that they're with a partner who had, had her own issues as well. So, you know, those various issues had impact on us. Um, it's hard to sort of separate out, you know, which which issues relate to sexual assault and which ones relate to everything else going on. Um, but there is definitely some issues that do, and I guess I'm going to go into that in a moment. Um, I would say one, one sister is a single mother with four children and each child is to a different father. Um, to what extent that relates to our upbringing, I don't know. Uh, another sister ended up in an abusive relationship and she's been in and out of uh, mental health um, institutions. Uh, myself, I felt worthless and ad- inadequate, treated like an object by our our father and then neglected the rest of the time. Uh, I'd have to say I'm uncomfortable about sex uh, and at times too focused on sex as well. Yeah, my father overstepped boundaries uh, while a role model to me uh, and now I overstep boundaries in other ways which impacts my relationships and jobs um, and I'll go into that in a moment. What I'm hoping is I want pedophiles and and, uh, people struggling with the idea of becoming a pedophile to know it does have an impact and to seek help rather than harm others and commit a crime. I want people to avoid dismissing pedophiles as evil. It's all too convenient and doesn't really cut to the actual issue. I want people to avoid dismissing pedophiles as evil and to instead encourage them to seek help. Um, a good example is that one of the counsellors I've seen has actually had someone come to her who uh, has had thoughts um, that they regard as about pedophile, being pedophile, but actually hasn't done it. And they were actually coming for help. And yeah, I'd encourage anyone who's got those thoughts to seek help, um, you know, and um, and I want to encourage victims to speak out, uh, you know, protect your, yourself and, and possibly others. You know, like I say, I do regret not having come forward to the police to, you know, till 30 years later. Um, um, but, you know, it could, it could protect others, um, you know, uh, and it will also help you have closure by, by going to uh, the police and, to, and seeking help. Um, did, did it give did it give you closure, Michael, when you finally did go to the police? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I, I think uh, for many years I I felt that it had impacts on me. It took me a while to work it out. I I did see counsellors. I did go to a men's um, support group who you know who were also victims of sexual assault. Um, and it took me a while to realise, you know, the, the various in, impacts and, and seeing patterns in my relationships, which you know, would fail, or in my work where I'd sort of speak out. Um, mm. it, in, at times, I probably shouldn't have spoken out, but you know, I, I, I couldn't speak out as a child. So you know, as an adult, I sort of go the other way, and, and um, you know, so yeah. can we go back a little bit there, Michael? Yeah. When you say that as a child you couldn't speak out. Um, I'm sure that we would all understand um, what the fact that you have taken uh, to adulthood to feel comfortable enough and let's say strong enough to report it. Um, But as a child, 
Was there something that uh, stopped you from telling somebody? Um, I, I don't really recall wanting to tell someone as a child, and and, and I don't, I doubt that okay. my father. I don't recall whether my father threatened me if I told anyone. It was sort of like our, uh, for one of better words, it was like our dirty little secret. Um, of course, you know, yeah. back then people didn't talk about pedophile, pedophile you know, pedophiles. Um, pedophilia? Pedophilia. Mm. You, you, you know, you wouldn't see it yeah. in the news. You, you had no context as a child to, you know. Um, yeah. uh, and, you know, it, even after I left home, I didn't go to the police. So I hadn't realised the impacts on me. And uh, and also, my father was aggressive at other times, um, not necessarily to me, but to, definitely to my mother and to my you know, my younger brother. And I feared mm. his, his response. Um, you know, so it was over 30 years before I went to the police. Um, you know, I, I, back then I didn't know what the police would do, even if I did go to them. Um, and I hadn't considered that he may go on to sexually abuse other children. And, uh, you know, I also wanted but you, to- but you wouldn't, but you wouldn't think like that, would you? Because no. it's so, um, new to you, like, and because it wasn't discussed and because you didn't talk about it with anybody, you wouldn't know or understand uh, that often, uh, more times than not, I've found that if somebody is abusing one child, and I'm not just talking about in a family, I'm just talking in general, that there's generally more um, victims, more survivors. And, um, yeah, so uh, I, I, it sound, I think you're being a bit hard on yourself when you say, um, you know, you should have done this and you should have done that because you didn't know. It, like as a child, you look up to your parents as um, like almost gods, don't you? Like whatever they say, yeah. you do. So, yeah, you, um, don't, you don't know. And the other, the other thing is to say my father was neglecting me, you know, us the rest of the time. So so the one time when we felt like we were having any interaction, it was actually when I was being sexually assaulted. You know, when you say neglect, Michael, can you explain what you mean by neglect? Like that, that uh, could mean a myriad of things. Yeah, um, I don't recall us ever sitting around as a family having conversations as a kid. Uh, my father would be preoccupied with gambling. He was alcoholic. He was always working on his car or working on a building um, you know, out the back of the place. Um, he, he never really interacted with us. Um, mm. And... Um, you know, and and I think too part part of it was that my mother was emotionally abusive as well, um, mm. and I think as a young adult I wanted to put it, but you know I left home I wanted to put it behind me. So it's the other reason why you wouldn't talk about it was just sort of like you know, wanting to sort of move on and uh, and deal trying with, to forget it, <laughs> trying to forget it and yeah. try to deal with the rest of the world. You know, like um, you know mm. going to university and everything else kept me busy as well. So. Yeah. So, but the impacts there were there were a wide variety of impacts, which I ended up sort of reading out to my father in court. And again, that court process gave me a, an opportunity to really, firstly, preparing for the court process made me think about what were the impacts, what is it I wanted to say, uh, and then I was able to you know, write them down. And uh, I guess there's some of the I could sort of go through some of those points. Um, uh, yes, that I'd, I'd love. Well, that would be very um, helpful in a lot of ways to a lot of people. But can we just uh, revert back to 
when you did report it to the police, so, and we'll probably talk a little bit about um, in between when you left home and when you did report it to police, because there's a lot of years in between. But what was the catalyst for you reporting it to the police? Because that obviously took a lot of um, courage, um, a lot to actually tell somebody. Yeah, I, I guess that there was a step before that. It was in my early 20s, my first girlfriend. Um, yeah, as I said, my brother committed suicide um, when he was 15 and I was, I was 21. Um, and, uh, you know, my first girlfriend, I was about 22. I started late because, you know, I guess I was messed up as a kid. I was, um, oh, yeah. But, um, yeah. and, and, but after my brother's suicide, I, I was talking to her about, you know, us having been abused and, and my fear that my brother might have been abused and, and, uh, and, and my fear about what I might want to do to my father if I found out that he had done that to my, my, my mm. brother and, and my, my girlfriend shared shared that we're both absolutely, um, you know, she was shocked and, and felt similar. Um, so, you know, that, that that was the sort of first time I'd actually spoken to someone. Um, and then over the and years... And how did that feel? How did that feel, Michael, talking, actually telling somebody about that sort of dirt, as you'd refer to it, as your dirty little secret? Yeah. Did it feel it, good to tell her or not? It felt, um, it removed confusion. It felt like I was finally se- separating, you know, myself versus my father. Um, um, you know, my father was a sick person and, um, mm. and you know, as a young adult, rec- you, know, you know, being able to, there, there was some news about pedophiles and, you know, being able to recognise that, um, you know. And, and and going to assist to the police, you know, over over the years I'd struggled in relationships. Um, you know, I'd struggled mm. with anxiety and depression, um, uh, you know, various things I'll, I'll talk about. But um, um, and and my sisters had their own issues too. Yeah, you know, as I mentioned, you know, one sister had four children, four different fathers, mm. single mum, and you know the other sister in and out of mental health institutions. Yeah, you know, we, we talked about it, and I guess um, what happened was I was actually between jobs yet again. Uh, I had spare time. I was talking to a sister, and I just thought it was time to do something. You know, it was it was time to confront mm. our father, who I, I now felt old enough not to fear him anymore. You know, mm-hmm. um, and um, and and I just said, look, how about we just do it? Let's just go to the police. And we, so we went down to the police station, me and one sister, and we talked to our other sister about it. She gave a statement as well, um, and um, yeah. So and that's it went from there. Can tell us about? You said you confronted your father. How did how did that go? Or or was the first time you confronted him in court? Yeah, it was in court. Yeah. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. And tell us about going to the police and that process and how you found it. Yeah, um, went went to the police um, and and they took statements. Um, yeah, it was thirty years later, so they really had to do their work to be able to piece together a case with you know uh, not really much evidence other than yes, me and my two sisters were um, were uh, giving statements. Um, uh, as I mentioned, we moved from Melbourne to Sydney. Um, I suspected there was a, a, 
girl who lived in our neighborhood was a friend of uh, us as kids. I suspected mm. she might have been assaulted. Um, because we're in Sydney, we're crossing jurisdictions. The police in New South Wales couldn't do, do anything really. I had to, yeah. of my own volition, had to um, go and do land title searches, trying to work out where did she, I knew the house roughly. You know, where did she live? What was her, what was the, like, the family name? Um, could could I uh, – I ended up going through the police right up to the police commission in New South Wales and then across the police commission of Victoria and then back down f- um, for them to actually find this lady and actually ask her if she'd like to give a statement. Um, um, I won't comment on, on that further for her own privacy, um, mm-hmm. but um, that, that was a bit of a painful exercise, that, that crossing jurisdictions and getting stuck with that sort of situation. And, and the other thing was that the police wouldn't actually share much information with us about what they were doing in terms of investigations over the, the two-year period. Um, so, you know, it, it, if there was anything I'd say there, I'd, I'd, you know, it'd be good if they um, were able to give updates while also respecting the fact that it's an investigation, they can't talk about some things. Um, you know, I, I, I've learned that in my career, in my police career, Michael, that uh, if you just give somebody something, um, a little bit of information, it's better than nothing. And, in fact, I, I think I've told this story before, but my sergeant at the rape squad, um, he would um, every Monday morning we'd have to put a, a side. I mean, obviously, if there was a job going, we had to go to it, but Generally, if we had a couple of hours spare, he always wanted or asked um, or directed actually for us all, all his crew, which was four or five of us detectives, to ring every victim that we were, um, you know, that they had come and made a complaint to ring them and give them a bit of an update. Yeah. And I learned something very valuable from that because, uh, as you say, you didn't have very much information at all. And it would have just been nice for them to, I don't know, just every couple of weeks say, look, Michael, I can't tell you a lot, but the case is progressing or just something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there there, I, were, there, I, I other, think, there hmm. were other things that happened during that two-year period. Like our father actually went overseas in the middle of a police investigation. I knew that he – I'd done a bit of research on him. I knew that he was helping um, – uh, he was part of a, a, a group, sort of like a religious group, who, and part of that was uh, funding an orphanage. And uh, and I oh my goodness, yeah, and he'd gone oh o- he'd gone overseas potentially to to that that orphanage in the middle of a police investigation. I was totally flabbergasted. Um, I, I think the police arrested him as he oh. came back into Australia. Um, so, you know. Does, does that horrify you like it horrifies me? Yes. <laughs> forgetting, forgetting that the police didn't stop him, all that sort of thing. Yeah. The fact that he has uh, gone to and he's involved with an orphanage. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. goodness. To me, and as I say, that just us, fills, it fills me with dread. Yeah, and as I, yeah, me too. And as I said, it took us 30 years to go to the police and I wish we'd gone sooner. Um, you know, yeah, but you, yeah, and, and I can't yeah. blame myself. All, all I'm saying to, to anyone listening yeah. is that you're going to get closure for yourself if you if you go sooner. Um, I, I mentioned my, my father as part of his defence in court. Um, I, I read forensic psychiatrist reports, and yeah, you know, he had brain scans and all that. He was drinking himself to death when he got arrested mm. by the police. He was he was mm. given about a year to live, um, and um, the the fact that he ended up going to court potentially 
pro, well, prolonged his life. He, he lived another 10 years. So mm. in a sense, we um, saved, saved his, his life in a way. Um, but but he, I think, I'd like to think he also had some closure himself. He was a sick person in um, mm. part of his um, treatment was getting, you know, getting proper psychiatric help. You know, mm. I think, you know, he, he, he had a son who committed suicide. I'd like to think that my father might have got some closure out of that. Um, you know, at the end of the day, my father was a sick person. Um, yeah. very, very sick, very sick. And, and you're right in a way, what a shame, oh, that's putting it lightly, that it took him to be incarcerated to actually get some help because who knows if he would have – and, and – and a person like your, I'm assuming your father was, they would never seek help uh, without um, somebody pushing them, without being mandated, let's say, yeah. to go and get some help. So as you say, um, and how noble of you that to think that you are, well, I don't know, pleased, I don't quite know what the word is, to think that you gave your dad your father another 10 years because he got that help. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say please, but at the same time yeah, I just go, it's, yeah. it's just how life pans out, you know, that that you know, could I feel guilty about him going to jail? Um uh no. Um um, hmm. But there's also there are also sort of for want of a bit an unforeseen benefit in that you know he got yeah, to live yeah. longer and 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 to get treatment that hopefully um you know as a sick person hopefully helped him in some way. Hmm. Did you apart from the victim impact statement, which we'll go into at at some point, mm-hmm. did you ever get did you ever go and see your dad or speak to your dad or did you About want it? to? No, 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 no way. No, okay. Okay. Um, I just too too uncomfortable. um, Traumatized. Traumatized. Witnessing my sisters in you know him in bed with my sisters, um, not you know under blankets, but yeah, but still like um, uh, you know, just nah, no way. Couldn't talk. Couldn't. Okay. Um, you spoke. You've spoken a number of times about your sisters, and. This is what you and I feel so passionate about, isn't it? That that sex abuse, sexual assault has lifelong ramifications and it just changes people. And in a in a way I saw I understand number one about a sister that has you know been in and out of psychiatric hospitals. I mean, in a way, I think of course she would be like the the trauma that she has not only been through herself, but if you've seen your sisters being abused, I'm thinking they may have seen you abused as well. So, you know, I don't think there's. It doesn't um, surprise me at all that one of your sisters has ended up, as I say, um, in and out of psych hospitals, and then the other sister that's had um, four kids to four fathers. I imagine all she's looking for, like we are all looking for, is just a companion in life, somebody to love, somebody to share your life with. And I suppose your choices are so clouded when you have been through and experienced what you all have. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, it, it, it's interesting what you said. Another thing that you said that um, when you went to the police, you didn't have much evidence. And I want to pull you up on that because as a police person, if somebody came to me like you, and this is what happened with my father, and I have got two other witnesses, that is that is great evidence. I mean, there'd be lots of arguments about, you know, had you talked about oh, all sorts of legal argument, yeah. but that is uh, a great, mm, what would you, um, evidence-wise, it's... Um, yeah, it's solid. I mean, the police, the police, when they started asking for details, you know, they're trying to work out our memory because it's 30 years later. You know, I, yeah, I, I remembered lots of details and I'm sure my sisters remembered lots of details and I'm sure that the, there would have been um, commonality to things we're talking about, which the police would have just, you know, said, yeah. Um, uh, our, our father also did us a favour. He was supposed to be reporting to the police on a weekly basis before the, the court case. Um, mm. And on one of those occasions, he turned up at the police station naked. <gasps> so um, as soon as the police told me that, I couldn't help but sort of laugh and just say thank you because it was a two-year court process where, you know, maybe we were being questioned about our honesty and all that sort of thing. Well, our father, you know, he, he, he made it very quickly obvious that he was a sick person. Yeah, that, that's pretty obvious. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Uh, what do you remember about the court process? Like you gave a statement uh, and then it took a couple of years for it um, to um, – for you to give – you gave evidence? Yeah. So it like took, in the witness box? Yeah, it took took two, two years um, with the police investigation and the court process. I, I will say um, – that uh, whilst the police were busy and not necessarily giving us updates, there were support people that came forth uh, as part of the judicial system whose oh, yeah, whole yeah. whose whole focus was on our emotional well-being and how were we managing oh. uh, and, yeah. and did we understand the court process. And they were, they were brilliant. They were such lovely people. So, um, Is that Witness Assistance Service? Yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah. the name, yeah. And, and also at the end of it, there was also the um, – what's the one? One where you um, retribution. What's the one after the? There was an opportunity once he'd been sentenced and gone to jail. There was actually an opportunity to communicate to him for a, a third via the, the legal system. Um, okay. Yeah. So the, anyway, so yeah, there were the there were what. So there was that sort of those sort of people coming forward and helping the. Um, the, the police, even though uh, I'd still say they did a brilliant job, you know, 30 years later um, to be able to successfully prosecute yeah, um, was, yeah. was a job well done. Um, it, it, it required patience, um, but it was definitely worth it. Um, and, yeah, and, and then and it gave me the opportunity to confront him and uh, in a safe environment um, mm. um, with a, a carefully, you know, uh, a written you know, victim's impact statement where I'd had an opportunity to think through what it is I wanted to say and to communicate that, um, mm. which, yeah, mm. and uh, and to talk about the various ways that it, um, the sexual abuse had impacted me. Mm. Actually, you did want, um, I suppose that's a, a perfect um, opportunity if you feel comfortable um, 
talking about it, you did want to say a couple of things about your victim impact statement and how important it was for you to be able to, as you say, tell your father through the court system, but tell him how his abuse had affected you? Yeah, yeah, thank you. The, the you know, p- well, reason why I want to talk about it is because I want people to understand that um, sexual abuse does have an impact um, and any pedophiles, people out there thinking of, of being a pedophile, just seek help. Um, you know, just, just seek help because it does have an impact. Um, you know, I, I, I'll read out some of the points. You know, I'd, I'd say my father stole my right to discover my own sexuality, um, to have a healthy, developed sexuality and healthy relationships with friends and family as a child and as an adult. You know, I didn't get an opportunity to, to meet, you know, a nice person and get. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com get involved with them and, you know, discover yes. sexuality that way. In your own time, yeah. in your own way. Yeah, yeah. and any sexual yeah. abuse made me secretive and shy. Um, and and as a sort of an awkward kid, I was then bullied at school and had very few friends. Um, I wet my bed until I was about 16. I, we all did, all us kids, um, which, you know, our place smelled like urine, uh, made us feel inadequate within ourselves. Mm-hmm. It was embarrassing mm-hmm. and drove friends away. Um, yeah. you know, I've, I've had, had a negative outlook on life where I experience anxiety, um, you know, anger or catastrophize or obsess. Or, you know, there was always a concern about whether my father was outside my bedroom door, whether I had my own privacy, you know, and I end up becoming compulsive and get paranoid and, and, and become defensive in, in you know, work, work environments, for example, where you don't need to really be defensive rather than just trusting people and communicating in yeah. a balanced way. 
Yeah. You know, um, one of the big things is I suffer from righteous indignation um, and the need to have agency and potency, which I, I didn't have as a child. And these are words that I've picked up through you know, counselling over the years. But I was going to say, what what does that mean, Michael? Could you yeah. help us there? Well, there's the righteous indignation um, and that's, um, you know, having been treated in a disgusting way as a kid uh, and then as an adult if someone treats me badly like maybe even if they just turn up late for an appointment or something like that you know um, uh, I get upset all too easily and, and righteous about I've done all the right things I'm here on time why aren't you here on time oh yes you know, okay th- this sort of yeah. thing which impacts ends up impacting jobs and relationships you know I, I, also would, I, yeah. I, end up, yeah. I end up overreacting around situations um you know with righteous indignation you know um I've got okay. every reason yeah. to have righteous indignation about having been sexually abused as a kid but to keep playing that out as an adult is actually counterproductive and damages relationships. Yeah, yeah, but that that's the issue that we we come back to all the time, Michael, is that um, it's learned behaviour. You have um, become uh, got these issues because of what happened when you were a child. I don't know yeah. how else. Yeah, you know, you don't grow up thinking like that, like that is a direct result, I believe, my own personal opinion. These are the what happens to people when they are abused as children. They have all these different issues. Yeah, it has an impact. And and, and the other thing I mentioned is like I need to have agency and potency. So as a child, you don't have any agency. You're not able to influence things that go on in your life if you're being sexually abused or or anything like that. And you Mm -hmm. definitely don't have any potency. You have have no power to do anything differently. As I said, I was scared of my father, Um, you know, um, and so I end up – as an adult wanting to have agency and potency and it's it can be useful like in my work I've been a really good project manager where I'm really concerned about details and getting things done effectively mm. and lots of agency and potency but also damaging to relationships where um you know again I overreact to things um and and um you know rather than maybe being understanding about a situation where a partner's done something that's upset me that you know I, I want to have my say I want to have my say with agency and potency I couldn't have my say as a child, but as an adult, uh, I, I've, there's times I've insisted on it, and that that's that, yep. that yep. that's hurtful to my partners, you know, and um, yep. and so you know, there's another impact. Um, and and the the other thing I ended up doing so then I overreact, but I also exhaust myself trying to show I have value, you know, like oh, I was, I bet you I was abused yeah. and and uh, and neglected. Uh, as you know, other people will be, and and um, and and then you, you end up desperately trying to show people you've got value, and then, and if they do something that lets you down, you see that as an example of they don't see your value, and then you speak up against it and and make a big issue about the small things. You end up sweating the small stuff, which I imagine would affect relationships. People totally. would think. Uh, oh, Michael's getting angry. I don't want to be around an angry person or, oh, God, where'd that come from? I I can understand that people don't want to be around people like that, do they? Sure. So, yeah. yeah. And you can sort of maybe explain yourself in in an intimate relationship, but you can't really explain yourself in a work relationship where that's happening. You can't say, oh, yeah, I was was a child. And, you know, I don't really want to be making excuses anyways, but, you know, I, I can definitely see... 
uh, the impacts. And, and it's taken time for me to, um, you know, I've, I've had help with counselling and it's taken time to, um, you know, try to, to, to be who I want to be rather than um, the, the results of my childhood abuse. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, go on. Yep. Sorry, it also affects my sleep. You know, I don't sleep properly. Um, I wake up at the slightest sound. I think as a child, I had to be vigilant about whether my father was about to come into my bedroom, um, or my mother even when she when she was emotionally upset about things, she'd burst in the room at two o'clock in the morning. But yeah, you know, so I don't sleep well, and that that also impacts obviously on the quality of life and partners and work and neighbours and you know mm. being anxious means. I also always need to be doing something rather than just relax and uh, you know, end up with ir- mm. irritable bowels and escaping alcohol and you know mm. gambling and all these sort of things that I've done over the years, which I've, I can say I've moved forward. You know, I've, I've got help um, and I've been fortunate in, um, in being able to afford to get help. And, uh, you know, yeah. very concerning that the government sort of scaled back uh, help for people. Um, that is um, very concerning. It, this, yeah. this is the, exactly mm. the sort of um, areas where, where, you know, People who've been abused can um, need need that help um, when it comes to you know the mental health care plans and Medicare rebates, mm. etc. Um, yeah, isn't that? Um, I don't. It's interesting that you say that you've had um, issues with alcohol, uh, issues with gambling. Isn't that interesting? That so did your father? Like a lot of people would think. Seeing, um, and this happens all the time, Michael, where you, because you grow up, it's almost like subconsciously, it's learned behavior that you despise, but somehow it, it draws you into that's what you resort to because. Oh, I just think that's fascinating. Uh, you know, yeah. I think people that haven't been in that position would think. Why would you use alcohol when you knew what it did to your dad? But it's the it's uh, how your dad coped, so it's how you learned to cope, I suppose. Would I be, I don't know, sort of right in a roundabout sort of a way? Um, yeah, or there could be, um, you know, if you're suffering from things, um, uh, how do you cope? Uh, there's various yeah. ways of coping. You can choose healthy ways. I didn't have yeah. role model choosing healthy ways. Um, my yeah. role model. That's my that's my point. Yeah, yeah. 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 My role yeah. model was the the, the alcohol and etc. But um, yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, and there, there, there are so, yeah there are other sort of impacts too, which I'd sort of like to talk yeah, about. Yeah, please, yeah. please do. Um, uh, uh, I mean, the, one of the the really embarrassing ones is I, I used to get recurring images in my mind, which would shock and shame me. Um, you know, uh, um, you know where I'd, I'd, I'd uh, get sexual thoughts when I'd see uh, images of starving children on TV, for example, and it's just mm-hmm. shocking, you know, and I talked to psychiatrists about it, and they said that's a very understandable um, psychological reaction, um, mm-hmm. uh, and in fact, since I talked about it, it's no longer happens, it's been years. Um, really? Yeah, so, okay. so definitely sort of talking about it and understanding that um, that it was just the human way that that sort of reaction was enabled me to sort of just, mm. you know, let go. Um, but I, I, I was going to – can I just go – can I interject there, sure. Michael? It's very interesting. Although it's uh, a bit uncomfortable 
to talk about this, I find it uh, interesting or fascinating, I don't know the word, but um, what did the psychologist say about those recurring sexual thoughts around um, you with children? What, what was the, why did she say or he say that happened? Was did they explain that? Yeah, and just to be clear, I wasn't having thoughts about having sex with children, but um, but just okay, I, right? I, I couldn't um, just you know, you'd see a naked child, and 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 the, the, your your focus becomes oh, oh, they're naked rather than they're starving, you know? Oh yeah, right. I understand. So uh, almost yeah, mm, and, and sexualized is a bit strong, yeah, but yes, yeah, I get it, what it, you mean. It, yeah, yeah, and so so yeah. so it, it was. Um, I think it was more that they – I can't remember exactly what they said. They said that, you know, as a child I was trying to cope with the – in the process of being sexually assaulted, um, I, yeah. I was trying to cope. And as an adult, I'm I'm going back to that sort of way of thinking uh, as mm. trying to cope with what's a confronting image of a, of a poor child yes. starving to death, you know. It's – it's yeah. it's mm. your brain gets accustomed to trying to deal with a situation that as a child, uh, thinking sexual, sexual way because – what you're being programmed as you're being abused. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, that make, that makes a lot of sense because because as an investigator of sexual uh, sec, uh, child abuse material, I used to, you've really, <laughs> you've explained something to me there because I used to look at children not as children. Uh, this is after viewing child abuse material for my job. And I used to look at children, certainly not sexualised, but a bit like you, like I'd think, oh, I saw a little girl uh, that looked like that in, in a p- particular um, scenario uh, to do with child um, abuse. And so I didn't want to look at children because it brought me back to how I had seen them. And what you're saying is that when you see starving children or whatever, it takes you back to you being that age and being abused, yeah. Um, in a in a way, or, or, or well, no, the way when I was when I was a child trying to cope with the fact that you know my father's in the middle of sexually assaulting me, um, I've got those. I've I've I've, I've um, sex, sexualized the the uh, the event, uh, and then yes. and, and and sort of cope. And, and then, as an adult, see something that's sort of shocking, like a child starving, and 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 trying to brain's trying to cope with what's shocking. Yes. Uh, and and yeah. that sexual is, ends up focusing on this the 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 fact the child's naked, starving yes. to death. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know, um, anyways, yeah, it it. Gee. You know, I did feel guilty about having sexual response as a, a, a biological response as a child, but you know, I understand we're all just human, right? Um, I have been nervous about having children of my own, and I feel like he stole that right from me. From me, I, ha- I have learnt that a, a lot of people who sexually assault someone were sexually assaulted themselves, but it yes. doesn't mean that a lot of people who are sexually assaulted will go on to sexually assault someone. Goodness, that's, no. a, that's a, no. a really important thing to note, and 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 um, and um, I'm definitely, you know, I'm not, I'm not. 
ever going to sexually assault anyone. Um, but mm. I, I was nervous about having my own children and feel like you stole mm. that. Of course life. you That's would another be. impact. I've also felt awkward yeah. about, you know, my friends know about my child. I got, I, it's not my problem. It's my father's problem, right? But, you know, yeah. I, do, I do sort of talk about my child with my friends. And I have been conscious, you know, um, uh, about, you know, where my friends are fearful of me being around their children. And, and fortunately, that's Aww. that's not the case. I've actually um, been yeah. like an uncle to a lot of my um, my friends' children and babysat and all, and all that, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so, but, you know. Is, isn't, that, isn't that cruel, Michael, that uh, oh, that could almost make me cry to think that yeah, it's horrible. the abuse the abuse that you have um, had by your father, and it doesn't matter whether it's your father, whatever, yeah. but children that are abused have these, like you have probably avoided having children because yeah. it's had such an impact on you and you never want another child to go through that, you know, like... Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that sad yeah. that yeah? As my as uh, as oh. I believe my father was sexually assaulted when he was a kid, and and in the back of my mind I sort of take this proud, stupid thought in my head of well I'm the last of the in the bloodline, you know, like it's not going on anymore. Oh. And what a what a what a yeah. sad yeah. thing to think, you know, like yeah. you know, yeah. Um, You're right, but you know what? You know what I really admire. There's a lot of things I admire about you, but that to actually be able to say that and share that, that is, that's a very powerful thing for people to hear, Michael, like just your your honesty. Uh, yeah. It's just so, I've got to say, it's really lovely yeah. in oh, thanks. a roundabout sort no, of got, a way. I don't, I don't have anything to hide, you know. The problem, the problem was his, as I say, if there's anything I can say that might help others in any way, you know, um, I'll, I'll say it because, um, you know, um, if hopefully good can come out of it. Oh, I have no doubt. I have no doubt. You know, these um, these conversations and by you sharing this, I think it will um, help a lot of people. It explains things and they're difficult to explain, aren't they, and difficult to talk about. Yeah, but yeah. It just it might give somebody some context, you know, and help them. Um, I've got to go back to your schooling. So, with all this going on, Michael, your schooling must have been must have been so dist- oh, distorted. Um, like, it, you know, you were bullied because yeah. did the people at school know that you were wetting yourself? I don't know if they knew. They probably did know. Oh, okay. I, I, but I, you were bullied. I, I had a Sorry. birthday once where, um, you know, one friend turned up and he stayed for about five minutes and then left. Um, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure the place was smelt like urine. But my, my yeah. way of coping at, at school was to um, excel academically. Uh, was I wouldn't have friends. I'd try to prove myself by performing well. And um, uh, whereas my sisters would um, drop out of school and and uh, run away from home. Uh, my brother, uh, he, you know, it, uh, I think when I was must have been about um, he must have been about thirteen or fourteen, and I was six years older than him. I, I actually went to the school counsellor and actually because I was worried about my brother. Um, you know, I'd, I'd left school at that point, so um, I, I was in going to university. But I actually went 
back to the school counselor to talk to them about my brother. I was concerned. I don't remember the details about it, but um, okay. um, yeah. So yeah, it affected us in different ways. You know. Mm-hmm. How how old were you when the abuse started? I was twelve. Such a, that's such a difficult time anyway, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you know, puberty and all, like. That's the earliest I remember. It. I don't know if, I, you know, yeah. it goes back before then and I've got a mental block about it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wonder why. Yeah. Um, yeah, so just going back to the impact again, uh, is there anything else in the uh that you wanted to say yeah. about the victim. There were just a few please. other things. And it, Feel free. Yeah, yep. thanks. It, 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 I think, you know, um, and sometimes I confuse love and sex in relationships. You know, when I think about my childhood being chaotic and, and you know, um, uh, my father being violent towards my mother and my brother and um, and, and otherwise neglecting us and, and then my mother being emotionally abusive as well, um, it, it finally felt uh, like there was some warmth when I was being sexually assaulted, you know. The, um, and and as yeah, an adult, yeah. I can start to confuse love and sex. You know, um, yeah. you know, yeah. um, getting sexually involved with someone suddenly becomes like you know. Suddenly, there's so much more meaning to the relation. The, the, I might stay in a relationship with, that I shouldn't be in um, yeah. because I'm, I'm getting the, the the warmth that I want in, in a, a sexual way. Yeah, it's just a bit. It's just we gets twisted um you know i can end up in dysfunctional relationships where people are abusive uh, in other ways and then you know we, we get that vicious circle going where you know i, I want to uh, i've got righteous indignation i want to be you know have agency and potency and tell them off when they do wrong by me and they they yeah. mistreat me so you know it, it predisposes you to ending up in dysfunctional relationships and it's important to recognize yeah. that you know as an, as an adult now um so yeah, and I and I feel like I need to constantly be seeking approval because um, um, I didn't have that as a, as a child. And, and yeah, in fact, I felt like I was treated like crap. Uh, mm. I was used, um, and and so I get hurt easily when I don't receive approval from other people. Um, mm. And at the same time, I don't trust other people, so <laughs> I'm looking for. Yeah, but why would? But why would? Why would you? Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm looking for people to actually give me approval, and I don't. I don't. I don't trust them at the same time. So yeah, good luck oh, with that. You know. So what? Um, a, what a tangled web. Hey? Yeah, yeah. These yeah. are the things you know, and you you sort of piece it together over the years. Yeah, you know, I'm in my fifties now, so I've had plenty of time, and I've and I've been fortunate that you know I've had. Um, times of reasonable income where I've seen counsellors and I've been able to sort things out and and uh, again you know I just asked the government to please help um, people who are less fortunate than me who have been abused um, or suffering in you know mental health challenges and uh, and really need this help with mental health care plan you know um, don't mm. don't take that away from society it's it's it should be core to society yeah yeah, yeah, you're right because you did say uh, at some stage there. I think that you had joined a support group and just how empowering you found that group. Can you you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah. Like, I can't. I can't imagine. Let's say walking in that first time when you walk into this room, you don't know anyone. I cannot imagine the anxiety of walking into that room. But then again, in another way, on the opposite side, 
to walk into a room where you know that people understand and, you know, probably most of them had have been abused in some way, it must also be comforting. Yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it was many years ago, but it was actually um, a group run out of the – they were using the Royal Prince Alfred Hospital in Sydney um, as a base uh, to run these groups. I think it was on a monthly basis from memory. And it was for yeah. victims of sexual assault. And it was a men's group in particular. Um, specifically. Okay, yep. Um, yep. I'm not sure if there's other groups around now. I'm, I'm guessing there, there would be. Um, but it was it was an opportunity to openly talk about the impacts on me and to hear from others who'd experienced similar. Um, and in fact, I, I sadly, I, I heard from others who'd experienced far worse than what I'd ever imagined. Um, mm. And um, you know, from the age of four years old, for example, mm. or even yep. or even yep. a, a gentleman in his fifties who was gang raped, um, you know the. Mm. Um, but it, how how did you manage hearing those stories? Um, like it, it's interesting that you say you know that mine was nothing compared to these, but then you know there would be people that would say to be abused by your father doesn't get much worse than that. However, we don't want to grade, you know, somebody's worse than somebody else. But how did you manage hearing those stories? Did that make you feel it, well, um, closer to the group or I yeah, don't know? It, Tell it, us it, about it, that. Well, the, the thing was the, everyone was there with the best intent um, and, and, um, and, I think there was some warmth there. Like you know, we we were we were we were human beings. Uh, we were mm. individuals first and foremost. These past events yes. aren't, aren't who we are. Um, it, mm. it was an opportunity to talk about those past events separately to who we were, and to get to know each other besides, besides those past events. It, it, yes. it was. I think it was part of the process was was being able to, um, you know. Um, yeah, separated out, and and to have no secrets, you know, to just be able to talk openly. Um, and did that feel good to be able to tell these strangers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a, you know, it's, just to get it off your chest. Yeah, get it off your chest to be able to segment um, what happened and what someone else did that was wrong from who you are, and mm. keep, and and mm. um, and and to be able to, I, I guess, you know. Um, for, might sound cliche, but it sort of um, it sort of doesn't matter if you've got baggage as long as it's neatly packed. You know what I mean? It was that sort of <laughs> yeah, process. It's a nice way. Of, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. process of of recognising the baggage and saying, "Well, that's that's the baggage bit, and then there's the rest of me, and let's just neatly package that baggage and 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 talk mm. about that and 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 get help with that." Um, with you know, coping mechanisms that may not be helpful, for example, I've got help for that. Um, mm. Yeah, and and another really important part was also recognizing I, I didn't really appreciate the impacts of my mother's emotional abuse, um, and mm. and um, you know, and yeah, she was a refugee from the Second World War, etc., and she had all all her issues, and you know, um, mm. but um, you know, it helped me to recognize you know that. Uh, to have things in perspective, you know, which which bits of what I'm dealing with relate to my father and which bits relate to my mother and, you know, what what patterns can I try not to repeat and, you know, all those sort of things. It was- but, it, but it's only as an adult that you probably understand more about why your mum 
did abuse you um, emotionally. But as a kid, you wouldn't think like that. Like no. it must have been a lonely life. You know, here's your dad yeah, it was. sexually abusing you and your mum emotionally yeah. abusing you. Where did you go? I, I went into, I went into uh, Meccano, which is sort of like the metal version of Lego. So I'd spend hours okay. and hours in my bedroom. I uh, I was inventive. I got the mechanism from a toaster and turned that into an automatic lock from a bedroom door so I could lock the door from inside. Oh, sorry, I laughed, yeah. but then that's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I got, didn't realise yeah, where you were going. I got a mirror and put it on the windowsill and projected the sun onto the ceiling and the ceiling became a sundial. Um, and I'd lie in bed and read books. Um, and, uh, yeah, lonely is the word. Oh, gee. So so where are you at now, Michael? Tell us ab- about your life now. Yeah, well, nowadays um, well, I'm a professional in technology. Um, um, I like playing music. Uh, I, love, I love playing music. I've got a group of friends that I have, enjoy having a jam with on a regular basis. And what do you play? I play piano. Um, Oh really? Yeah, I, I love, I love blues. Do you play blues? Because yeah, I just blues. love blues. Yeah, play a bit of ambient yeah. stuff as well. I love Miles Davis, for example. Uh, good. Oh yes. Yeah. You know, when I when I was younger, uh, with my sister, we went over to the states and we went to New Orleans or New Orleans oh, cool. or whatever, however they say it, and that was one of the highlights of my life to go to Preservation Hall wow. and just sit and listen to these masters of, uh, and it wasn't honky-tonk, it was blues. It was, oh, I can still I can still see them and I can still hear them. Oh, I yeah. love it. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I what, about emotion, what about emotionally? Where, oh, emo- how are you? Oh, yep. Emotionally, I'm sort of between relationships at the moment. I sort of um, don't mind it. I've sort of learnt to and. I enjoy my um, my own company. I guess I need to oh, need to start going back to the gym after Christmas time. You know, you sort of pause your gym membership while you're on holiday. Pork up a bit. Then you go, yeah, pork <laughs> up a bit and smoke. Yeah. <laughs> Got to get back to the gym, and that that'll also help balance my emotions as well. I'm a little bit sort of down after you know having a wonderful holiday and back at work, yeah. you know. But um, yeah, you know, I think going back to the gym is going to help there as well. So I'm actually going yeah. back off off to the gym for the first time tonight. This, um, well, good on you. Yeah. You know, um, I I know what you mean about um. Uh, just coming back, you know, from holidays and you think, oh, God, back to, you know, back to the grind. But I, I do remember in uh, in one, one of our conversations or something I read and I thought, what a great attitude you've got. You could be, feel really sorry for yourself and whoa, whoa, whoa is me, but you are the complete opposite. You know, you see now, you seem to see the good in being alive and enjoying life, you know, I, I take my hat off to you, Michael. Yeah, no, thanks. I really do. Yeah. No, thank you. I mean, um, you know, I also like to, you know, uh, 
I'm not perfect. As I say, I've, I've got my own sort of dysfunctional stuff to sort out when it comes to relationships, things like that. But I, oh, we've all got that. I, I do like to help <laughs> other people and I think one of the best things anyone can do in life, one of the greatest rewards you can get from in life is from helping other people. And, uh, you know, and one of the reasons why I reached out to you is I, I read an article about what you've done and uh, and understanding, having some inkling of, of the impacts it's had on your on you in terms of your mental health, um, yep. the things you've gone through and just wanted to really yep. thank you, you know, um, from, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for, for what you've done and what you, you're continuing to do. And I think, um, I think um, you know, I'm hoping that some of the things I've said maybe help other people in other ways, you know. Um, um, so I appreciate the opportunity, Norelle, and thanks very much. I know, Michael, that you will have touched a lot of people by what you have said today and your your honesty and your warmth. Um, I've just got to say, you know, thank you for just being so brave in sharing your story because I I know the hesitancy initially, but I brought you around and see, yeah. it, it's, uh, it's all good. It's uh, just so good for other people to hear this and I know there's going to be people out there who gain confidence, may, maybe even some motivation or inspiration um, and I suppose, you know, to talk to someone not to hide your pain anymore and just consider reporting your own abuse to the police because of hearing your honesty and your courage. And and I hear time and time again through our interview today, you've talked about you wish you hadn't have taken so long. Well, for somebody out there, um, don't wait. You know, get in there, go and speak to somebody, get some help and Go to the police. If I've said before, you can go to the police and just get some advice. You don't actually have to give a statement. They can give you all sorts of options. Yeah. Anyway, on that note, thank you so much, Michael. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much, Narelle. As you've probably noticed, we've moved to a new platform called ACAST. I think that's the right expression, I've got no idea. And my previous reviews haven't transferred over. I need reviews. (laughs) Could you do me a favour and put up a review? And thank you so much for your support and patronage. With your help, I can give you that little bit extra. Thanks. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.